An Arya Air is flying to Mashhad when something goes wrong on landing, what caused this flight to smash its nose on a brick wall. Welcome back to the Heart Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. Hey. Hello. This is going to be short. Yeah, this is going to be a really, really short episode, and that's just kind of the nature of the report for this one. But also, this is the first one we're finally recording back on our normal schedule. So, <laughs> life is finally kind of back to normal. But settle down. We're going to give you the answers to the trivia this week because this will be the last thing for January. No, next week is. Is it? Uh-huh. I mean, we can do it toward the end of the month. It doesn't really matter. Okay, do it. If you, Whatever. If you haven't answered the trivia questions by now. Just to add something for time. You're not going to, yeah. Because I guarantee this episode is going to be unbelievably short. Yes. So, we have a new patron. Yes. Who is... Do. Thank you to our new patron, Tracy. Tracy. Also, I want to say thank you to Jamie on Anchor. You're supporting us for... 99 cents a month. Ah, yes, thanks. And I appreciate you, and I feel like we should call you out because you are supporting us. <laughs> and I thanks. just wanted to say we we know you are, and we thank see you. you. We see you. Also, I wanted to call out someone else. Give me a second. Let me pull it up. I want to call out Paige. Paige has had to deal with a lot of shenanigans lately. <laughs> and Paige has kept up with editing, and thank you, Paige. Yes, yes, they have. You it's are the best. It has been fantastic. Thank you to the Amorous Histories podcast. I saw that they today. They tagged us in a post. I saw we were tagged. I didn't read it, though. Yeah, they they said, let me look at my, the post. Like my latest podcast Yeah, this obsession. week's hashtag podcast obsession has been at Hard Landings Podcast. In fact, I've been marathoning it since I discovered it in December. I have issues. <laughs> <laughs> we do too. That's cool. Out. Thanks, though. If you like an aviation podcast, be sure to add this to your list. And, and even if you don't. Thanks. I don't need to tell you guys that, though. You're all here, so. <laughs> so nice. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> we appreciate it. So I just wanted to say thank you because I'm like. They will hear this one day. <laughs> Someday. Yes. Depends In the how, future. Depends on how caught up they are. Yeah. Dep- well, it depends because Paige, before they were editing for us, literally listened to all our episodes in like a month and a half. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we yeah. had over 100 when they did that. And I was like, mm. Damn. Damn. <laughs> our wedding DJ definitely just said he was going to binge our podcast, so there's that too. I don't know. He's he's traveling for the next two months. I'm like, if you catch up in the amount of time, I'm scared. It's funny because I know some of our patrons are also that way because they joined, like, they started listening to episode one mm-hmm. and started and then realized we had a Patreon and that's what our new patron did. Mm-hmm. I can tell because uh, she commented on a post episode from a long time a ago and, yeah, yeah. and i was like it happens huh i'm like you do realize that we we fixed that later a lot later yeah there's a lot of things that come up a lot later because yes you're right you are yeah but by the way you were correct on the thing that you commented on yes. and i did say that on patreon but yeah. that we also corrected that like a couple, <laughs> a couple months ago because we went and saw come from way so yeah anyway but I can tell that they're binging that way because they're yes. like, episode yeah. 17. I'm like, oh, what did we even do for that? I don't know. Who, uh, who cares? I mean, <laughs> we got time. Yeah, we got time, I guess. I'm sorry. You get a bit banter for this episode because it's so short. It is. I should have guessed what that was American Airlines 587. Ah. I should have guessed. Ah. That's the one over Queens, right? Uh-huh. 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 You're almost at the, 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 the Concord episode. Yeah, yes. That's episode 19. You'll find out I, all about this depending on I how will, long it takes you to get to here. I will You'll never find out forget we're talking that about episode. You. I will never forget episode 100. Oh, yeah. 
That's a stupid one. That's, I think, vying for top Miranda Rage episode. There's a couple. Like, the flagship one was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. That one was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, one we US... just covered was really bad. Yeah, and the U.S. Bangla one uh-huh. was really bad, too. So, if you really like Miranda Rage, you can either go back and listen to those again, or you can listen, jump and listen to those. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Bangla Flight 201 or whatever it was, there's more tea on that one in the post episode. In the post episode. There's more that at the time I didn't want to put in the episode because it was a lot of vulgarity. And, and we can cuss on uh, the post episode. Okay, but nowadays, if I were to redo that episode, I would put the entire thing in. And just bleep it. Yep. Yep. I'm sorry, Paige. <laughs> I'm it's not gonna not redo gonna it. not gonna happen now. <laughs> okay, so moving on from that, if you want to see how to answer the trivia questions, which by the way... this is obvious you don't have to answer them right i kind of started putting them in there because they're fun and if you've listened long enough you know the answers to them yeah and some of i mean some of the patrons that see us every month because they're 20 dollars patrons know them the most because we talk to them yes i think there are maybe some answers you only get from the post episode yeah there's there's a few where you definitely would only know but there's a few that you would also get from like just listening also context clues but over time there's been a whole like 70 or 80 of you that have probably listened to those post episodes so somewhere along the line at least one of you knows that yeah so (laughs) just know that if you want to know where the trivia comes from it's the newsletter you can sign up for the newsletter on the website it's down at the bottom on the homepage. And it gives you a lot of stuff, not just trivia. It's like, what are we going to cover in the next month? What did we cover last month? What's the Miranda episode going to be on? What's the stories theme for this month? That kind of stuff. Yep. So there's also a, a hard landings tidbit of the month, which I've yes. had to pull out of my <laughs> <laughs> Because lately it's been about weather because I'm like, please be nice to people. They're, they're, it's not their fault that yeah. weather is weather. Yeah. Okay. So please be nice. Thanks. Yeah, that whole thing. Anyway. Any anyway. questions? Oh, we'll do that at the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll give the answers to the trivia questions at the end. Yes. All right. I think that's it for housekeeping. So, what are we covering today, Nick? Today, we are covering ARIA Air Flight 1525. That is not the code that it looks like it is, but that's what it is. That is what it is. And this was recommended by Alan! Alan! Uh-oh. <laughs> is this the Alan? It's, the original Alan? It's the, that Alan. The, the Alan who wants to make Miranda mad. All the and time. You, you'll get mad. Okay. It's short. But you'll get mad. But also, not in my part. You won't get mad in my part. That okay. This is a sh- <laughs> this is a very short analysis. But I at several points had to walk into the kitchen while Leo was doing dishes and be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh, that's good. That's yeah. or bad, depending on who you are. Some I, of you don't like my rage. I guess you're gonna find out. So, anyways, this accident occurred on July 24th of 2009. So not that long ago. Nope. This is a relatively unique airplane for us. We haven't talked about this much. At, at all? This is in... I don't think we talked about it at all. We might not have. I know we've talked about Tupolevs. I know we've talked about... Antonovs. Other illusions. We talked about the IL-76. But I don't think we've ever talked about this one. Which is one of the more unique aircraft that have ever existed. Well, it's a Russian-made aircraft, so... It is! This is an Illusion IL-62M. No, this is the first one. Excellent. So we can talk about the Illusion IL-62. Good, because that'll kill a little bit of time, then good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. This is a really strange and unique aircraft. It actually has a really interesting history, because at the time, Gorbachev really wanted to visit the United States. Oh, this is that plane? And on top of that, yes, yes, it is. It's This isn't the first thing that he did with it. So there, he had done this with... 
another massive prop aircraft. But he also did this with the IL-62, where he built it basically as a show thing. But then the airlines actually took to it because this aircraft is phenomenal in terms of range at the time. Anyways, Boeing was working on, of course, the 747 and they had the 707 at the time. And this fit kind of neatly in between the two because it was a 173-seater with an ultra-long range, and it had four engines. It's pretty ugly, though. It's pretty ugly. The engines look wiggity-wiggity-whack. Yes, yes, they do. They're, like, next to each other, and they're in the back. Also, the crazy thing about this, two airplanes were being produced, were being, I should say, they were produced about the same time, but they were also being tested about the same time. Go look up the, what is it called? Oh, no, I'm going to have to look. Sir, you are the expert of the I am, I am, hold on. You are... I want to make sure I tell you the right thing. It has a sawtooth wing leading edge? Mm -hmm. Apparently it was able to fly, or we wouldn't be covering it. It is an odd airplane. Its wings are mounted really far back, of course, because of the, you know... Engines. 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 (laughs) It also had a very Tupolev-style tail. Yeah. Where it's got this T-tail, but it's got the big bulge on the top mm-hmm. of the tail, too. Yep. You're a Tupolev-style tail. I don't know if you saw how many windows they have on the cockpit, too. They're all very small. Very small. Oh, yes, they are. But there are a lot of them. The entire interior <laughs> is teal. Yeah, that's actually very common with old Russian airplanes. Most Antonovs are still that way. There's probably, like, teal. ten windows. Yeah. Instead of just three, yeah. which is what most planes have, it has, like, they ten have like, tiny windows. Most airplanes have, like, four to six. That's pretty common. But this one probably has like a dozen or more. Probably more it has that. at least 10. Oh, yeah. I think it's more. Which than is kind of uh, stupid. Do a count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think there's 12 on the lower level and then another 12 on the upper level. There's an up. Wait, what? Oh, because there's tiny ones above the lower. <laughs> yeah, there's a I lot more. I see those. <laughs> there's a lot of them. There's a lot of windows. Why? What? Just have wi- big windscreens. I know. You're creating like blind spots that don't need to happen. Exactly. So, and to add to the confusion. By the way, that is not foreshadowing. Right. To add to the confusion. <laughs> it's oh. really not. I just wanted to okay. point that out. To add to the confusion, while you guys are Googling, look up the VC-10. Vickers v- VC-10. Vickers VC-10, huh? Just look up VC-10 aircraft. It also has... Quad tail-mounted engines. And that is a British-produced aircraft. What the hell? Around the same time. That's why. They are remarkably similar looking, aren't they? They're both ugly. The two aircraft are horrifyingly ugly, but both had very long ranges. Both have pretty high capacity for passengers. The IL-62, of course, being the bigger of the two aircraft. It was sizably larger, actually. At the time, the IL-62, I believe, had the longest range of any aircraft on Earth, and was one of the largest. So it was truly an incredible thing. But it hardly got to use its range throughout history because of the fact that it was Russian-built, well, Soviet-built, and therefore could not be. Now, the weird thing about the IL-62, though, is they are still produced. They are very old, and they still build them. Oh, God. They still build the M version in particular, which is the long-range version. They use them occasionally for cargo, There are not a lot of them left, but they still produce them because it's a pretty reliable airplane for the Russians and former Soviet nations, as well as China. So a lot of places still use them, Hmm. weirdly enough. Moving on. This was a flight from Tehran in Iran to Mashhad in Iran. 
So this was a domestic flight within Iran. I don't have any crew names, just so you know. But the captain was 52 years old. He had 14,200 hours total, of which 1,500 were on the IL-62. The first officer was 47 years old. He had 8,294 hours total, of which 1,319 were on the IL-62. And the flight engineer was 52 years old. He had 8,747 hours total, of which 1,697 hours were on the IL-62. So the first officer and flight engineer are actually very similar in terms of total time and IL-62 time. They're both very similar. Captain's pretty experienced, of course. And then there's a navigator. And that's all I know. Uh-huh. That is literally... All we know. They say in the report over and over again, they talk about him probably more than anybody else. No name, no hours, no age, nothing. This is what I don't understand about Russian-made aircraft. Because mm-hmm. we talked about this before mm-hmm. several weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What is the point of having a navigator in 2009? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is, why? The, what, what's the point of having a flight engineer? Okay, in that's because of the, how the aircraft is made. And yes. the navigator is also because inherently of because way. of the way the airplane is made, but unfortunately. At, <laughs> why, why not take, uh, I mean, to be fair, after the end of the Soviet Union, the, yes. the dissolution, Yes, I'm sure they didn't have a lot of money to fix some of this stuff. Nope. But uh, part of my brain's like, why didn't they do what like every other like airplane manufacturer did and just upgrade? Upgraded it. Yeah. Like the DC-10 to MD-10 conversion, which is a remarkably modern aircraft. The MD-11 upgrades, too, are very similar. Coming from, basically, steam gauges. Well, oh. and, like, I don't know. The The end of the Soviet Union happened in 1992. Mm-hmm. So this was over 10 years after that. Oh, right? yeah, this was, yeah, a good and solid like, chunk over that. Clearly, they probably had made more airplanes in that time, but it's also, mm-hmm. like, why keep making it the same way over and over? I'm sure this airplane's older than that. I think I that's part yes. of it is they it's are focused on... Ma- I think part of it is they are focused on making new airplanes and not retrofitting existing ones. Pretty much. But that's stupid. I, then I, you're paying more people than you need to. Yes. And now, then there's like some weird in the cockpit, which we've covered before, because there's four people at the this, same time. That is, is foreshadowing. This is... Okay, so this is one of those things, though, because... We've talked about this a little bit in the past, but when you're talking about Soviet aviation in particular, and even still Russian aviation to this day, a lot of it comes with, okay, they want to keep up with technology and aviation. They would like to surpass the hard things, which generally are range, size, and speed. That's all they care about. When it comes to the technology inside the airplane, they don't care. But they think do not get care. problems. Exactly, but they don't care. They don't. They're, they're that does not matter. That's why they're not as allowed long to as they fly can outdo several us. countries, because they can't. Right. As long as they can outdo us in any of those major things that, like, in a public image, is very, quote-unquote, important. At least their aircraft and match, obvious. Their, match their motor vehicles. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to look at that, <laughs> look up some old Soviet vehicles. People still drive them. They're ridiculously dangerous. <laughs> yeah. You can do the thing that we do after episodes and go watch uh, Russian car crash videos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do. They, we do do that sometimes. Because also their road system is absolutely horrible. Bonk. <laughs> There's no system. <laughs> Lane? Lanes? What are lanes? I don't know. What I'm so on. sorry. We're Sign like lanes, talking nothing. the Russians. I know. It's not your fault. Your government's horrible. <laughs> yeah, okay. always has. Been. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't we'll update straight up anything. Say it. <laughs> straight up say it because it's true. Anyway, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Anyways. The flight departed to run with 156 passengers and 17 crew. 
Why so many crew? <laughs> because this is an old airplane with a lot of... This is unfortunately common in that part of the world and with the airlines that operate within it. But you're paying so many people for a job that like half that amount of people can do. Just, just... Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Four of those are in the cockpit. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so were seven of them seated at the front? Yes. Oh, my... G- There's a reason I did that math. <laughs> I know what you... Yeah, I know I know how you... Yeah, okay, yep. Oh, boy. We'll get there. The captain was the pilot flying for this leg, and the first officer was the pilot monitor. The climb, cruise, and descent were normal. Wow, they made it. They made All it. The Something has to happen, though. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> no. Oh, we could go. Oh, Not no, because no. they're on here. <laughs> As the flight reached 22 kilometers from the airport at Mashhad, while flying at 7,000 feet, the air traffic controller requested that the flight reduce speed to maintain distance from a preceding aircraft. So an airplane ahead of them, they were cruising right along, getting closer and closer to them as they're approaching the airport. So the air traffic controller is like, hey, slow down. Yeah, chill out, dude. Chill out. Chill out. At that time, the captain decided that they would perform a left circle to add distance instead okay. and inform the other flight crew members of this decision. At that time, the navigator made a radio call to the air traffic controller to request this circle to the left, and they were clear to do so at 7,000 feet. So, Despite what half of our resources said. Yeah, which was weird. But there's differing things within the report. This report oh, was good. not great. Oh. I literally used zero of the history of flight for this. And I know that sounds astonishing, but I really, I didn't. There's not much to use? There was like a paragraph and a half, and none of it mattered. Also, for all of you out there who like to go read the report, which I really hope is none of you. (laughs) If you really do, you are welcome to. Um, Good luck reading it. This one is in really bad English. (laughs) When I read The Probable Cause later, I will read it with all the errors. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, no. It was (laughs) horrible. Turtles. Electricity. I, I will be reading the findings and recommendations the same way. So, oh God. all right. Woohoo! <laughs> Anyways. So they circled to the left. They circled to the left. They then began their approach again. They had the distance on the airplane in front of them. Okay, everything's rainbows and sunshine. You might notice also everything's in metric. Yes. Well, that because that's where they are in the, the world. The nature of where they are, the aircraft they're flying, and yeah, just that part. Et cetera, et cetera. Yep. As the airplane then approached runway 13 left, this was a confusing thing. <laughs> Another thing that they couldn't seem to agree upon somewhere until eventually we determined, yes, it is 13 left. Runway 13 left for landing at Mashad. The landing checklist was completed. We'll talk about that later. Oh, man. I almost said, I was like, why is it completed right when they're about to land? Oh, I didn't even address that. Oh, no, no. We'll we'll talk about that later on. (laughs) Because fun fact, it should be done before they start their approach. Agreed. We'll talk. Is done the word we're going to use? And well, and about who? So we'll talk oh, about God. all that later on. Okay. Six oh five p.m. local time—the only time they had in the entire report. Great. <laughs> they did everything in terms of distance. Yes, they did not talk in time. So this is the only time listed in the report. Okay. Six oh five p.m. local time. The aircraft then crossed the threshold and touched down on runway thirteen left. Huzzah! Right? Huzzah! No. But then the aircraft did not seem to be slowing down fast enough. So full emergency braking was applied as they proceeded down the runway. The aircraft started sliding as it neared the other end of the runway. The aircraft then left that end of the runway, running across a grassy area. The aircraft struck the approach lights and landing lights for that opposite end of the runway with the belly landing gear and wings. Some damage to the wing caused some fuel to leak, but 
remarkably never caught fire. The airplane never caught fire. That Miracle, is, that one. That one is really, honestly, very miraculous. This could have been much worse. Uh, it struck a power line with the right wing. That was pretty bad. Wing still stayed on. Power line, not there. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Solid airplane. They built these things out of iron and steel. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> they didn't. I was going to be like, how did it get off the ground? <laughs> they didn't. Don't worry. They didn't. Okay. <laughs> that was just a, a joke. You know, the iron curtain thing. Anyways. Well. Wow. <laughs> it's true. Move on. <laughs> Anyways, as the aircraft continued to slide, it quickly approached the airport perimeter fence, which was brick, laid in concrete. Why was it brick? It had a concrete foundation. Exactly. Why? 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 This is why airports don't use brick fences. Exactly. The front of the aircraft struck said wall. Yes. Hard. Yes. Destroying the entire cockpit and forward fuselage through the first few rows of passengers. I'm Jesus. assuming Miranda used this picture for the website. I did. Do and you? I also used it for the newsletter. Because it, it's pretty hard to miss when you talk about this airplane. Horrifying. Yes. I've only ever seen one other airplane that looked almost identical to this. I'll show you that picture later. This is one where it was posted on the beginning of the report. I opened the report and went, ah. <laughs> it doesn't look like an airplane. The rest of it looks like an airplane, but the front of it did not look like an airplane. It's like a smooshed airplane. A very smooshed, dangly airplane. The front landing gear was sheared. The aircraft continued moving for another 160 meters before finally coming to rest 1,100 meters past the end of the runway. That is a very long distance. Normally, when aircraft overrun runways, it's like... A couple hundred feet. Oh, no, not even. It's usually maybe like 10, 20 feet. Did they use the thrust reversal? We'll talk about all that later on. (laughs) Technically? <laughs> what yeah. does well, technically We will mean? talk about all that in a minute. <laughs> so it came to rest in a small road that was running along the airport perimeter. Because of the missing portion of the forward fuselage, the aircraft actually came to rest on its tail, nose up, because suddenly there was a lot less weight yeah. on the front of the airplane. The passengers and crew immediately began evacuating using slides at doors that were still intact, some of which were vertical because the airplane was st- you know, nose up. Yeah. So Very all of that one Pan Am 747. But they could not use the main exits because they were gone, the front ones. Yeah. I mean, it went all the way back a few rows of seats in the front. It went yeah. back to the sixth row of seats. Yes, the sixth row you of seats. You could jump off the front of the aircraft. Nope. That wasn't possible either because it was just smashed. In total, 11 crew and five passengers perished in the accident, including the CEO of the company. Oh, oh. The CEO of the airline was in those first sets of seats in the passenger cabin. Ow. Well... 11 crew. Which now is, do you figure out where the math happened? So there's four in the cockpit, and meaning there are seven, seven flight attendants sitting in the, in the front. front. Yep. How? Okay. I had the same question. Two crew and one passenger were seriously injured. 28 passengers were minorly injured. And a remarkable seven crew and 122 passengers were not injured at all. Huh. So that's pretty crazy to me. That's all I got. Oh, boy. Happened pretty fast. Okay. This investigation was performed by the Aircraft Accident Investigation Department, which is a department of the Civil Aviation Organization of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Fair enough. I have feelings whenever the investigation department is the same organization as the regulation authority. Yeah, it's not a good thing. But that's for another time. All three black boxes were recovered. Yep. Two flight data recorders. Woo! Two. Old. And a cockpit voice recorder. <laughs> and all were able to be read out. Why were there two flight data recorders? That's a great question. Anyway, the analysis was short. <laughs> <laughs> great question. Don't have an answer to that question. The answer, great question. The answer is old and Soviet. Yep. 
That is the answer to that question. So this analysis was short, rough, and disorganized. Lord knows how I'm going to throw this together. The answer was pretty much in the order that they did. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. So the crew was following another flight landing and were told to slow down because of it. So the captain just opted to fly a loop, which they were cleared to do so eventually. Yes, but he was like, nah, I'm just going to do a circle instead. He told that to his crew, and then one of his crew had the wherewithal to actually say something to the air traffic controller. first of all, not great crew resource management. I'll say that. Oh, it gets much worse. But I have to say the fact that he made the decision that it's probably safer for us to do a circle Mm -hmm. than to try to slow down, Mm -hmm. that was probably a good call. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yes, but no. I mean- it's still done in aviation to this day, depending on where and the aircraft types and stuff. And the speed and at which you are going. Right. And it is not a bad idea. Absolutely. It's an efficient and effective way to put some distance between you and the airplane in front and slow down. We'll talk about in a minute why that wasn't the case here. Oh, I don't. Um, It'll become obvious, because I know you talk about the other thing. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> the other thing. Having completed that, now that they're actually approaching, what in the CRM happened here? <laughs> That's the other thing. Turns out. (laughs) It turns out that's the other thing, basically. There was no evidence of task sharing on the CVR. Nope. And they did not verbalize things that you normally would during pre-landing, such as, I don't know, landing weight, landing approach speed, approach chosen, alternate airport or aerodrome, if you're feeling fancy. They didn't talk about any of that. Nope. No, they did not. At five kilometers from the runway, the navigator, without being prompted by the captain, began reading out the landing checklist, and no one responded to any of the prompts. Nope, he just read the whole thing through. Landing gear, brakes, spoilers, altitude selector. No one said, yep, that, I did that. Nope, okay. Nobody else was paying attention. He wasn't asked to do it. He just did it. Okay, first of all, good on the navigator for having the wherewithal to call ATC to say that they were circling, and also to be like, hey, there's this checklist we're supposed to be doing before we land. He seemed to be pretty much the only person in the cockpit that had Which is horrible, because he has no control over the aircraft. Yeah, and we also know nothing about him, so I can't say anything. What I can say is all of the crew members were from different countries. They were all from different Oh, that's horrible. Okay, please continue. Continue. With one kilometer to go, the first officer called out the command to idle the engines, a command that's normally given by the captain, and the flight engineer confirmed that they were idle, even though he had done so before the command was given. Yes, yes he had. What in the CRM? Yep. (laughs) Miranda's making faces. You can't hear her. Well, maybe you can hear her face. But it gets worse. Just imagine what my face would look like. That's probably what it looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Probably what your face looks like, because it probably <laughs> looks pretty similar to mine. But it gets worse. So, now with a weight of 93.7 tons, you may wonder what speed they should have landed at and what speed they did land at. Their landing speed should have been 275 kilometers per hour, which is roughly 150 knots. That's pretty normal. That's pretty normal for an airliner. A big one, anyway. They glided down at 325 kilometers per hour, or 175 knots, and crossed the threshold at 310, or 167 knots, and 31 meters above the ground. Here's where the English translation's a little confusing, coupled with the fact that I don't know much about how this aircraft operates since it's made in Russia. 22 meters above the ground, the flight engineer shifted the thrust reversers to a reverse thrust position without being instructed to do so. And I'm not sure if that actually activates the thrust reversers or if it... Oh, okay. Well, they're still flying. This happens on most Russian aircraft, actually. This is not an entirely abnormal thing on Russian airplanes. So, the flight engineer is in charge of the thrust levers. At this point, obviously, apparently so. Which is the way they strange, do- considering what the flight engineers we usually talk about are not right. are in charge of monitoring instruments, not uh-huh. not not 
The way they do task splitting is because the people in the front looking out the cockpit window should be the one. Okay, uh-huh. all right, usually, all right. Usually, the standard for this in all of aviation around the world is the pilot who is in control of the flight controls is, is the also one in, in control, control of, of the, the levers. Yeah, <laughs> which is the captain, yes. by the way. Yes, it is. Via context clues. Yes. Um. So that's happening while they're still in the air. Apparently that's normal. I don't know. That sounds real sketch to me. It is a little strange, but this is unfortunately very also normal with Russian aircraft. I also don't 100% understand the thrust lever situation in the Illusion 62 because all of the diagrams are in Russian. Quite frankly, I'm not sure either. Fun fact. Designed weird. I don't speak Russian. Fun fact, none of us speak Russian. (laughs) No, I don't know Cyrillic. If you speak Russian... Help. And help. you want to <laughs> please look at the diagram and help. They're they're at the, the bottom of the analysis on page 30 something because that's how short the report is. Anyway, right before landing, the flight engineer shifted engines one and four thrust reversers back to forward thrust. They touched down at the approach speed given. They did manage the correct approach speed eventually, but they touched down a thousand meters down the 3,800 meter runway. So they were already a third of the way gone. A little under, but... And... Two of the engines are now at full thrust instead of in thrust reverse. The first officer commanded reverse, something the captain's supposed to do, and he did not monitor either of the thrust reverser position indicators on the instrument panel. Otherwise, I don't know. The flight engineer, without checking the thrust reverse lever position and thrust reverser position indicators, read back, Roger, reverse on. For two of the engines. Which, fun fact, are the only two engines equipped with thrust reverse. They are the... They are the, which one? one, Yeah, they're the one and four. So they're the outer engines, which kind of makes sense because they're mounted together. So the two inner ones actually wouldn't be able to do a lot. Physics. So he said that the thrust reverses are on, even though... They weren't. No. He took them out of reverse when they landed. Yep. I don't, I don't know. Two seconds after landing, engines two and three were shut down by the flight engineer. So... This is also very strange, but normal and... Russian aviation, they just turn engines off once the, as soon as they land. The second they touch down, they're just like off. So engines one and four are at maximum forward thrust. All of a sudden. And engines two and three are shut down. There was no command to activate spoilers, so they were not activated. And then they wondered why they were coming up to the end of the runway so fast. The speed began to increase. I wonder why. It couldn't be that the forward <laughs> thrust is going for two of the engines. Yeah. No idea why you wouldn't be slowing down. No clue. <laughs> Maybe clue. just look. Nobody look, looked down. Look. <laughs> Literally right there. So the navigator pointed out that their speed was increasing. Bless this navigator. Why is the navigator <laughs> the only one trying to fly the aircraft who's the only person who's not flying the aircraft? They reached a speed of 280 kilometers per hour, 150-ish knots. So the flight engineer shut down engines one and four. The only smart thing done. It's too late. <laughs> I don't even know if that's it's too smart. Late. Uh, at that point. You need the reverse thrust at that point. Honestly, the only other option at that point was to go around, but they would have been lacking two engines in thrust. Because they just shut them down. Yep. This is why that's not I was going to ask why they didn't do a go around. This is why it's not a safe practice, and yet they still do this on old Russian aircraft to this day. To this day. This part's a little wonky. The CVR recorded the first officer saying, leaving. The navigator saying, brakes. First officer saying, why isn't reverse functioning? The captain said because flaps are not shifted, and the navigator said emergency braking. Wait, so the flaps aren't out either? Flaps are out. They so why is out. it? Why is he saying the flaps aren't functioning? He said the flaps are not shifted. Whatever he means by well, that. Does that mean? They must not be set correctly, or he didn't think so. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Nobody seems well, to have Well, but a if the spoilers answer. aren't activated either, there's no drag coming from the spoilers. Nope. You are correct. 
And if the flaps are not out as much as they can be, which they should be at this point, mm-hmm. then also there's not enough drag there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's, everything's great. The flight engineer continued to manipulate the throttle positions of engines two and three and one and four, as well as the thrust reverse positions, but you might recall that the engines were shut down. What the? Oh my God. What the? No matter like, what, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, don't move them from idle when you're on the runway. Just don't. <laughs> I don't understand how he just shut off all four engines and he's like, oh, this is going to work. Let's just do this. Let's just move the levers back and forth and maybe it'll fix the situation. You just shut down all the engines. Right. And just to me, it's just like, just to make matters worse, like them just shifting all these levers back and forth, it's just like, Literally, if you're going to do anything at all, even if you're not going to use reverse thrust, just don't put anything forward. Like, <laughs> at least stay at idle. Like, no forward thrust, no acceleration forward. <laughs> so you ready for the understatement of the century? Yeah. Investigators determined that the crew's actions did not comply with the crew interaction procedure instructions no for landing. Sherlock? <laughs> Doesn't take a detective to figure that out. Although the crew did institute wheel braking, including emergency braking, it was not effective. No, I wonder why. There's no spoilers. The flaps aren't fully out and you had the engines going full bore halfway down the runway. Yep. I wonder why braking doesn't work. Huh. It's such a weird coincidence. It turns out. What a mystery. Yeah, to them, I guess. (laughs) So they overran the runway at 200 kilometers per hour or 108 knots. Which is... Very fast, which is why they went way more than like 20, 30 feet past. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. The front right wheel tire blew out, so they deviated to the right, broke some approach lights, broke the front landing gear going through the net barrier, question mark? I don't know. Yeah, there was, they called it a net barrier. I think it's what they mean is like a chain link fence. Okay. And they ran into the ditch at 185 kilometers per hour or 100 knots. The left gear went into the ditch, so they swung to the left and faced a brick wall Mm -hmm. and kept going. In case you wanted a picture of said brick wall, there's the remains of it after the airplane. It's a salt. Yeah. Think of a brick wall and that's what they ran into. Yeah. It's two and a half meters tall, I think. Yep. Since the nose gear was collapsed, the aircraft continues sliding on its fuselage at a speed of 120 kilometers per hour and into the wall, resulting in catastrophic damage to the front of the aircraft through the sixth row of seats, resulting in the deaths of all crew up front and some passengers. The last point that the investigators made was that this was not the first time an overrun accident had occurred in the Illusion 62M due to lack of accurate interaction between the captain and crew during landing with thrust reverse. In most accidents, the cause was a non-authorized flight engineer's action to shift the engine thrust reversers at heights more than recommended in the flight manual, followed by shifting to forward thrust and setting engines one and four to flight mode. You know exactly what happened. Yep. Why are the levers not by the people flying the airplane? They are. I think they are. He's just are. sitting there. They're right next to them, just like they are in every other airplane then on why Earth. Is, why is he even touching them at all? Exactly. CRM. Another cause to these, also found here, was an unmonitored thrust lever position and position of engine thrust reverser indication before setting engines to maximum braking mode. Here's my question. Who on God's green earth decided, you know what would be a great idea? The flight engineer should be in charge of the engines. He's not flying. He's monitoring. But let's go ahead and have him be the one. Whoever set up this company, which we can talk about that later on, too. <laughs> to, 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 to move the controls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though he's not flying the aircraft. No, no. no. That, that side of the first officer, no. No. But let's have him yeah. <laughs> be the one. Yeah. To manipulate the, yeah. That's yeah, it doesn't make idea. any sense. Who's, 
company manual says, you know whose job it is? The flight engineer. At the very least, this one. Now, we can say that a third person using the throttles actually saved some people's lives once, and that was UA-232. But that's because they were they using asked resource for help. management. You are correct. That had nothing to... There's <laughs> no conversation in the cockpit at all. You are correct. The only person who knew what the they were doing was the navigator and the poor guy died because yes. he was trying and he was trying to help and no one listened to the poor man who not man her- it was probably a it, man. Was a- it was a man it was a man the poor man was just like hey we should do a checklist hey there's and no reverse threat they didn't even hey. give him the dignity of putting his name and ours in the report nope they don't even the mention him at all doing his job correctly and trying to do everyone else's job correctly they don't put anything in there about him nothing other than he's the one who would have saved their lives if they would have listened to him. Pretty much. Good God. Okay. That's it? That's the chaos of this. Now we'll talk Good about some other things God. in the second half where we do have all the normal things. I don't know if that's a record for Miranda screaming. No. It's definitely, it's too short. But also, the Yeah. Like, I don't understand. You have four people... They're all supposed to be talking. There's one person doing what they're supposed to. The captain barely speaks, but he's the one flying the aircraft. The first officer's just, I don't know, chilling. <laughs> yeah. The flight engineer's the one in charge of the of you of the engine. What? Honestly, the first officer's almost most at fault here. Because quite literally, he's pilot monitoring. monitoring? And nothing Sh- was monitored. <laughs> Like, he didn't catch the fact that the airspeed was increasing. Or the thrust reverse wasn't set to begin with. They were too high. The airspeed was wrong. The thrust reverse was incorrect. The use of the throttles was incorrect. Yeah, like, we barely touched on the fact that they landed more than a quarter of the way down the runway. Like, that, it's a factor. Yes. It's a big one. However, if they had had all the the instances correct, the spoilers deployed, the flaps were out properly. Oh, yeah, 99% chance they would have stopped. They would have stopped. We don't know that. That's speculative. Don't come for us. It is speculative, but this is a 12,800-foot-long runway, and it's at low altitude, so there's almost a guaranteed chance they would have stopped. Also, if they had landed at the beginning of the runway with all of these other factors, I think they still would have overran the runway. Yeah. Would they have hit the wall? Maybe not, but they would have overrun the runway. Oh, yeah. Unless they had to go around, which they couldn't do. Because they shut down engines. Right. Maybe you, I don't know, shouldn't do that. Right. Just a thought. So yeah, that. We're going to take a break. That half was a little longer than the second half will be. The second half will be kind of short. Miranda's going to finish her beer so she calms down. Oh, I still have more than half of it left. I'm not going to finish it, but (laughs) I probably won't calm down. So there you go. Okay, we'll be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, we're back. We back. Now to do the regular things, which do have some actually interesting points in them. But like I said, I am going to read the findings and the recommendations here in their their very broken English. They are short, thankfully, but they are and they are meaningful. There's findings in here they didn't even talk about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I read them all. I read every single one of them. Well, except one. What's the point of an analysis? I know. (laughs) 
Okay. This is, this is the great thing about this report is it's just horribly done. Okay. Is it the great thing? The one thing they did put in here was a lot of very detailed pictures of all the different portions of the airplane. <laughs> Brilliant. Could you put in, I don't know, a better analysis? Yeah, right. Or a better history of flight? Right. Anyways, for the findings. They found that the crew was not trained and acquainted with flight conditions in the Iran territory with an Iranian instructor pilot and the operation unit of Aria Airline has acted so weak regarding those mentioned subjects. Like, this is the kind of English we're talking about. (laughs) They're pretty blunt because they don't know how to put it otherwise. Yep. But they literally called the airline weak. They are weak. Now, to give you some context, because I didn't talk about this in the first half, but Aria was a very, very, very small airline that had barely existed at this point and doesn't exist anymore. Excellent. They were subleasing this airplane from another airline, and the crew were from scattered airlines all over the world. This airplane had jumped around hands a bunch and ended up with this airline in the same year of the accident. So just to put some things in perspective, this was a very fringe operating airline. Barely even a thing. So when they called the airline operations weak, they weren't really kidding because there wasn't much to even go on for the airline. You know what else is weak about them? Hmm. Their Wikipedia page. Yeah, there's nothing really there. When did they stop existing? No idea. Yeah, because their history is just, I mean, this is how bad it was. Like, this airline is barely even a thing. That's why, I mean, you (laughs) you can certainly attribute the issues that they had in 2009, which is not that long ago, and is it quite modern aviation. Their fleet, as of January 2013, mm-hmm. was two Fokker 50s. Oh. <laughs> Those aircraft are hilarious and really easy I'm to have an accident in. I would be surprised if they're still in service. Oh, no. No, I'm sure not. Everything says was, oh. but there's no date saying when the was was. Right. Well, <laughs> when the was was. At least 2013. But at some point, they decided an IL-62 was the right thing to do. <laughs> Which is a massive airplane. In comparison, the Fokker is a twin prop. Mm -hmm. This is the equivalent of Silver Airlines out of Florida all of a sudden saying, we're going to operate a 767. (laughs) (laughs) Or a 777. Why? (laughs) Why? Don't. No, don't. Please don't. That's not what you do for a living. Silver, that that was not a dare. No. And they wouldn't anyway. Silver is still a pretty reputable airline, so this isn't even really a fair comparison. But... Anyways. It would be like if Boutique Air did it. That would be a little better comparison, probably. (laughs) Anyways. They found that the approach speed of aircraft was higher than recommended available airport charts and aircraft weight. However, it was controllable if the crew could proceed to land correctively. (laughs) I wish I said any of that wrong. (laughs) But that's how they wrote it. (laughs) You can read along with me, please. It is... (laughs) It is hilarious because this is exactly how they wrote it. Oh, boy. What they're trying to get at there is they approached a little fast, a little too fast per the weight, the airport charts, and they, they did. Didn't... They did touch down at the right speed. Mm, yeah, but that's still pretty marginal considering that wasn't even really in their sight. They weren't paying attention to anything at all. And on top of that, they're talking about how they just didn't do any of the correct anything, anything for landing. I mean, literally, this airplane was just taking them for a ride at this point. They were not doing anything to control it. They were just along. Mm -hmm. Ooh, plane, pretty plane, pretty plane. They found that the crew had not done correct procedure according to the aircraft standard operation procedure. SOP, standard operating procedures would be the correct acronym. To use related checklists. Two words. 
<laughs> Descend, approach, landing. Okay, so... They didn't do their checklist. No, they didn't do any CRM. I have written across here the next five points just entirely. This is all just CRM from that one down, FYI, because these are just... It, it just didn't exist. That's Yeah, it didn't exist. And that's basically what they make of all of these following points, which is they found that there was lack of precise coordination between flight crew on their self-responsibility during the approach and landing. They found that the flight crew did not pay attention to EGPWS warning and did not take corrective action. They the were... warning that we never heard existed? Yeah, no, wait, because it's did, not did in it the report. Off? It's not in the report anywhere else. There's a few other things that definitely come up in here that made me really mad, and I'm like, why did you not talk about this at all? Yeah, because if the EGPWS warning was going off, then they should have done a go-around before they even got to the runway. Right. And they don't talk about when that went off. Right. Or what alarm went off. But it did. <sighs> the more you know. They found that the crew did not use engine reverser and spoiler systems correctly to reduce aircraft speed during the landing and consequently it caused to lose long runway distance. No, caused to loose. To loose, yes. Long <laughs> runway distance. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I know English is hard. <laughs> I could have rewritten these, and I chose not to on purpose. The next finding. Oh, I know. It's so great. This is the one that this is, I mentioned this quite this a few times on purpose. is ironic as hell. I love this finding for that exact reason. <laughs> I read it, and I was like, this is comedy gold, unfortunately. They found that the flight crew had not good English language proficiency, and they were poor in England language conversation. England <laughs> 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 language conversation. <laughs> You know that there's other countries that other than England that speak English, right? But the hypocrisy, though. The fact that you're like, crew know English good, but I also know English good. <laughs> this one really threw me for a loop when I read it. I was like, oh my God, that is just so good. Yes, good. You can't even make that up. That's they, so they, good. They have a point, but they have a lot of hypocrisy when they make that point. <laughs> oh, gosh. And the last CRM point, it's not really, but kind of. Please read that correctly. <laughs> they found that the captain of... No, no, no. Oh, yeah, sorry, you're right, you're right, you're right. They found that the capitan, <laughs> the capitan of the aircraft, as the pilot in command, had not sufficient force and efficient management in the cockpit. <laughs> Lack of cockpit resource management. What do you know? The it Capitan. Comes up right there. The Capitan. <laughs> C-A-P-I-T-A-N. Cap El Capitan. El Capitan. We're not even in English anymore. No. They decided to speak the Espanol. The Espanol. <laughs> in Iran. <laughs> <laughs> On a Russian airplane. <laughs> Guys, this is how I die. Yeah. So that's all the CRM stuff. There's still more findings here to do, but this is... Obviously, the really big important thing is CRM just wasn't non-existent, and you could really blame that in the airline itself, but also the fact they were subleasing the airplane and the crew from another airline from another place in the world, and on top of that, the crew was from scattered places. They didn't even know how to talk to one another, <laughs> which is why there was no communication. Well, it's just a really horrible idea to do that. It was just really, really, really set up for failure. This whole situation was just All really, right. really, really set up for failure. Three more points I will make here. I'm not reading the last one because it doesn't really matter. They found that there were unauthorized actions of flight engineer for shifting engine reversers as well as lack of mutual oversight by crew members in checklist accomplishment during approach and landing. Yeah. This one is actually relatively straightforward and does actually make a lot of sense. Why in the heck was the engineer the one doing the throttles? Yeah. 
That's and doing things with the throttles that were like his job. Yeah, he was doing things with throttles that just didn't make any sense. I don't know if he was just like, I got to do something with a lever. I got to do it right now. I got (laughs) these levers. I got to do it. The next two findings were not talked about at all. At all. You are correct. Yep. They found that the crew has had disagreement about, quote, go around, end quote, due to unsuitable landing situations. What? What they're they're really talking about there, I'm not entirely sure. Because they didn't talk about it? Right. So I don't know if they actually discussed going around at some point. If they're talking about in previous instances, this crew is known for not knowing when to go around. Because the English is so poor here in this one that I'm not sure if they're trying to say this crew did not understand when to go around. Like the situation at which point to go around. Because it says the crew has had disagreement about go around due to unsuitable landing situations. That doesn't mean much to me. You Okay, I will admit, I don't always read the full analysis. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's sections that are just long and winded and I don't need to read them. I read this entire analysis. Oh yeah, I know. I know. This one was short. This was an easy There was thing. nothing about this. Or yeah. the next point. Yeah. The last one. They found that the present... No. Present... Yeah, the presence... Presence. <laughs> yeah, the presence... Of general director of airline in the cockpit had adverse psychological effect on crew efficiency behaviors. The CEO was in the cockpit. When? Why? No. They don't talk about any of that. No. Yep. That's the that happened in episode 11 that absolutely their up, my dude. Like, yep. Listen to that episode if you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't even remember what episode that was. The first officer was the president of the company. Yes. And he had the audacity to blame the captain when it was his dumb that caused everything to happen. Yep. And cuz there's episode 100? Yeah. You said 11. Oh, I meant 100. Okay. I was like, "What? The one we talked about earlier." So. Yeah. My brain said 100, my mouth said I- 11. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This is my learning disability. That- anyway, at- it's exactly the same thing. There's unnecessary pressure. If anything, the CEO should have been in the cabin. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's no reason for him to have been in the cockpit. Nope. He's and not a pilot. Not during flight operations. No. At any point in time. Sterile cockpit. I am going to make this generalization because I can't think of a single airline that doesn't have this standard. There are never to be non-flight crew or cabin crew members in the cockpit. Right. And even cabin crew members are limited upon when they can enter and exit the cockpit. And if they're flying standby or deadheading, mm-hmm. they have to be in the jump seat. And they have to be silent. There's a lot of rules on... Riding jump seat. I mean, during cruise flight, yeah, absolutely, you can have a conversation with those that are there. But during critical phases of flight, you are not part of the operation of that airplane. And you don't say anything. You don't do anything. You are not part of it. The only people ever allowed to ride standby in the jump seat are crew members. Yes. yes. Cabin or flight. Not even on most airlines can cabin crew members ride jump. Some can, but not all of them. Now, flight crew, yes, absolutely, they're allowed. Sometimes it helps. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maintenance personnel can also ride jump sometimes on some airlines. Depending on the circumstances. Yes. But never anyone not operationally critical. Right. Yep. Okay. So there you go. Oh, boy. I'm ready for this probable cause. I'm ready. The main cause, considering those items in factual information and analysis, the main cause of this accident is weak cockpit management between the crew to use correct landing techniques same as releasing engine trust reversers i said trust <laughs> the trust you need to trust in the reversers engine shut down in unsuitable time dot 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 ellipses period <laughs> okay i said what i said 
Contributive factors. Some of contributive factors for this accident occurrence are noted as the co-pilot and the flight engineer had self-activity and decision without the pilot in command coordination. The cockpit crew was careless and not paying proper attention towards EGPWS warning. Again, not mentioned in the analysis. Nope. Still about that. But in the probable cause and in the findings. Yeah. Psychological adverse effect on cockpit crew because of presence of general director of ARIA airline. Again, in the findings and the probable cause, but not anywhere No. in the beginning of the report. This is how useless this report actually was. I had to pull so much information from Wikipedia and the Aviation Safety Network, both of which were also not very reliable for the information. So Because they said that the captain had uncommandedly, uh, like, didn't ask for permission to do the loop. They also said that it landed on runway 21 left, which... Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist at this airport and didn't exist at this airport, so that wasn't a thing. Anyway, I'm not done. Nope, there's more. Section 3-4, Violation and Other Deficiencies. The accident investigation team encountered some violations and deficiencies with ICAO or IKO if you're disgusting. ICAO. ICAO. I hate you all. (laughs) Standards and Iran Local Authority Regulation, CAO, which are descript, described, as yeah. descript. Yep, that's what it says. Poor and insufficient supervision controlled of operation and technical manger of Aria Airline. <laughs> like Jesus was in the manger? Like, yep. Yeah, that manger. <laughs> they meant manager. Yeah, they did. The DETA airline has not used proper procedure to receive to receive lifetime extension of engine and has not passed necessary information to Iranian and Kazakhstan authorities. I have to assume this has something to do with the maintenance on the engines not being up to date. That's horrifying. It has not been designed a headset for flight engineer to make more coordination between the crew by the Aircraft Design Bureau. That has to do with the flight engineer didn't have a working headset, so he couldn't talk to them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How? <laughs> just, just. Uh-huh. Okay, let's put a crew that already probably shouldn't be flying together <laughs> in the worst possible situation by making sure that the crew can't talk to each other. Yeah. So the person who shouldn't be touching the throttles and is touching the throttles can't Quite literally talk to the can't say anything to anybody <laughs> because he's the one touching the throttles, but no one can hear his. <laughs> yeah. So not only is he doing the goofs, but no one can hear him doing the goofs. The man who's in charge of. All of the technical aspects and of the no airplane. And no one can hear his because there's no working. So anyways, there's more. I'm not done. Yeah. The crew was not familiar with Iranian AIP completely. So they're basically not familiar with the charts for the region. Yeah. So not great. Excellent. And last, the total onboard persons was not according to written load sheet. We have no idea how many people were supposed to be on this airplane when it actually hit. They figured it out eventually. Yep. This is 2009. Yep. You know what this sounds like? A crash from the 1970s to the 1980s. That's what it sounds like. It's like anywhere between like the 30s and the 80s. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Specifically, I mean, before the 70s. Yes, yes. It had to do a lot with like lack of like communication and all that stuff. And the like, lack of standard regulations. Right. And it started getting standard around the 70s to 80s. But, but there it was, was still, still a really lot of bad. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, this would fit right in there. That was pre-computers. We are now in the age of computers. Well, and y- you might that in you bringing that up, basically, you have defined the unfortunate thing that is Iranian aviation to this day. Oh, God. Because Iranian aviation, they tend to be kind of the one place on Earth that continues to fly what nobody else on Earth wants to anymore. 
I they wonder are the, why. They are the only country still operating the A300 and the A310 as passenger aircraft. Now, those are both still very good airplanes, to be honest. So at least they have good equipment now. But like they still fly like the IL-76 very regularly. They still fly. They, they Their aircraft are notoriously poorly taken care of because there's so many sanctions against Iran that they can't get parts. So there are just so many things that are unfortunately wrong with this. And it's funny because we've read better reports from Iran. I know. Before. And this one was just so horrid. We've read better Iranian reports from prior to this accident. Yes. Yes, we have. What the hell? So there was just this just whole thing just summed up Iranian aviation very unfortunately well and how kind of poor the whole thing Kind was. of? There's yeah. no kind of. It was horrible. Yeah, Iran is still known for being pretty horrible. I mean, I've heard things about how they function because when they need an airplane to be functional again in order to get a part, they will suddenly schedule a different airplane to go to, say, middle of nowhere Africa, where they might have some of these junked airplanes. They will then take a part, smuggle it in the cockpit with them back to Iran. There, they have a part. <sighs> these are the kinds of things they do over there, and I've heard these stories before from people in the industry. So this is the kind of thing that's like, mm, that doesn't surprise me. Really, unfortunately, it does not surprise me. Yes, this sounds really old, but that's because Iran is behind the rest of the world when it comes to aviation. So. Okay. Recommendations. Oh, boy. I do not do all of these. They recommend a special working group board between Iranian airlines, which used Russian leased aircraft and Russian airlines, be established and study how to obtain life extensions and modifications from Russian authorities as a state of design and manufacture. So in the very same vein where we're talking about them using Russian aircraft, that's because Russia is, of course, one of the only places that agrees with Iran and gets along with them. So they're happy to day. they're happy to pawn off old airplanes onto them and say, we will also help you train, maintain them, train and maintain. They didn't do a very good job of it, though. <clears throat> huh. It sounds like Russia. Yep. We are bashing on two very troublesome countries right now. Yes. Yep. But that's also the truth. I mean, it's just how it is. They found that those Iranian airliners that are willing to have foreign pilots <laughs> shall provide training courses such as Iran routes. routes and necessary arrangements for crew members just before beginning of their flights. I feel like a two-year-old trying to read this. <laughs> I really do. So they, they, they're trying to say they're... They weren't familiar with the area. They weren't familiar with the charts. They weren't familiar with approaches and takeoffs and... Right. And they're recommending that this should really be trained to foreign carriers. Yeah. Foreign airlines, foreign pilots. pilots. And really, it becomes the responsibility of the airline to seek that out. But, of course, because Iran is the way it is, all of that training takes place in Russia for these aircraft. So they're saying they should have sent them there. Yes. Oh, boy. They recommend that all foreign pilots should be checked by a related instructor pilot or a CAO designee pilot. I don't think the pilot should be, the, the check pilot should be related. <laughs> I would think that would be a conflict of interest. I think relevant is maybe yes. the word that they were saying. I don't for. know what they were really trying to say. I mean, I know what they were trying to say, but I don't know what the word is they were looking for there. Related would not be the one. Anyway. Anyways. I'm guessing what they're trying to say there, I'm not even really guessing, is they're trying to say that the Czech pilot should also be of the same nationality and be competent in that person's language and 
That way they can communicate. So that way they can actually check them off properly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Skipping a couple, they go over no, the... No, wait. The, the flight engineer's headset. They recommend that Illusion design a headset that works for a flight engineer. And then which is, and then, of course, just not important. And then they also say, hey, Illusion, can you figure out why the emergency locator transmitter on the flight data recorder didn't, I don't know, emit after the sever impact? Yeah, the sever impact, yeah. Likely because the airplane was smashed. <laughs> but could be a reason. Aren't they the in front. the back? Not always. The ELTs a lot of times are not, actually. In some aircraft they are, and they might be in the IL-62. I have no idea. Okay. But the IL-62 might have, this, this, they, they sounded like they weren't maintaining it properly anyways, so that think, ELT I, just might have been okay. in op. You should read the next one exactly as it's- I am. Okay, good. <laughs> that one I, I have. I like it. <laughs> that one I have. The whole thing about the flight engineer's headset, though, before we move on, yes, it, was, it wasn't even designed into the cockpit of this airplane. Ultimately, doesn't matter. Nope. Anyway. They recommend that presence and entering passengers or any other persons than crew should really be forbidden during landing and takeoff by airlines. Yeah. <laughs> should really be forbidden. That, yes. that made I it sound like a how, suggestion. Yeah, it's just so nonchalant. They're saying that the CEO shouldn't have been in the cockpit, nor should any other person who wasn't one of the flight crew. And that's correct. Of course it's correct. It's I'm a horrible s- idea. Moving on, they recommend it is recommended that a correct procedure of foreign pilot operation in the Iran territory should be defined by Operation Department of IRI, CAO, with cooperation of airlines. That one is actually pretty straightforward and not entirely poorly written. Because what they're saying there is there should be standard operating procedures as designated by regulations within Iran. Yep. And finally... They recommend that all airlines that are willing to use leased aircrafts should have sufficient supervision just before to start operation, should check and accomplish the written MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, between authorities, and also consider those items in Article 83 biz, whatever that is. So, basically what they're saying is if you're going to operate a leased aircraft within Iran, that there should be some kind of standard operating procedure between Uh all of you. Yeah. And there wasn't. Aria didn't really even have us. They had a standard operating procedure. So skeleton. It wasn't worth anything. They were primarily operating off of, I think, what was it? DETA. That was the actual operator of the aircraft. It was a different airline altogether. Oh, they were firm. They were the leaser of this aircraft. They had a standard operating procedure for the aircraft. They provided the crew and everything. But their standard operating procedure was also terrible. And Iran, it didn't even operate per Iran's procedures. Dita Air operated in Kazakhstan. Yes. This aircraft was from Kazakhstan and was originally, of course, from Russia. It operated within Russia for a long time. You can look at the history of the airplane actually on the Wikipedia page. There's quite a bit. They ended as an airline in 2013. Yes. So that's a whole nother thing. Oh, good grief. This is one of those super, you know, not great setup operations. That's it. Okay. I forgot the airline. Aria. Aria? Yeah, Aria Air. Flight. 1525. There you go. That's what it is. That's what it was. Yeah, I guess was would be a good word there. Yep. Thanks for listening. Trivia. Yes, I'm I'm pulling that up right now. Have we had any listener questions lately? No. Not, oh. Not that I've seen. No. Shot down. Yep. Which is okay. Give me a hot second. I need to find it. I'll give you a cold second. I can give you a quick rundown of the aircraft. It entered service with Interflug, which was the notoriously Eastern German airline. Oh, boy. So Soviet, basically. (laughs) But Eastern German. 
1989. It was then deregistered from Interflug and sold to Aeroflot, which it flew for for some time before being sold to Uzbekistan Airways. Uzbekistan. And then registered... It was removed from service for a good chunk of time, actually. <laughs> from the early 2000s till 2007. And then it was leased to Deda or Dita Air of Kazakhstan, which then subleased it to Aria in March of 2009. So just right four months. This accident, four yeah. months prior, basically. Oof. Okay, I have the trivia questions. Some of you that answered them did answer them correctly. Sweet. Some of you were close. Some of you were not. Right. <laughs> so the first one was what instruments does Miranda play? Mostly flute and clarinet. I do play a little bit of piano. Not enough to say that I play it. Per- I technically play it proficiently because I had to take a piano proficiency test. Ah. So technically I'm proficient, but I'm not as good as Christy is on piano. Fair enough. Mostly flute, clarinet, saxophones in there too. Someone suggested that she played the bassoon. I do not play the bassoon. The bassoon. I wish I could play the bassoon. My hands are really small. It's hard to play bassoon with small hands. It's not that it's impossible, impossible, but you gotta practice really hard. And I've maybe played bassoon once. So, who is our first patron that we didn't know already? It was actually Mike. Yep. Yeah. Mike was our second patron. Kara was our first patron. We know Kara. Mm-hmm. Mike was our first patron we didn't know. Yep. So a lot of a lot of people are like a Chris. Chris <laughs> has been around nearly since the beginning. Well, and we have a lot of Chris's, and they were like, yeah. "One of the Chris's." One of the Chris's, yes. Chris has been was maybe our fourth or fifth patron. Australian but, Chris, just yeah. just to clarify, but, but he was not our original patron. One of the things that I think uh, that that I guess why like it never bothers me. Obviously, when people leave Patreon, but also like it never bothered me that we don't have a lot, even though I feel like we actually have quite a few. But I'm really proud of the fact that we have a retention. Yeah. Because a lot of the original patrons of people that we didn't know are still patrons. There's a few that have left. A few. And I mean... And usually it's for varying reasons, not related to what we do. Sometimes it's just... And I've had this happen. Like, you just get disinterested and you're not listening to it as much. Yeah. And, and I don't like, blame them. It's okay. I don't need to spend that money. And that's totally... I We get it. Is Mike still a patron, yeah? Yeah, he's yeah. still a patron. So is Chris. As far as, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, I know Chris is, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, Mike's still a patron. Right. I remember when Chris joined as a patron, though, being our first $20 patron. Well, he didn't start as a $20 patron. He started as a $10 Nobody moved patron. up. Yes. Very quickly. So our 10 eldest patrons mm-hmm. who are still here, I should specify. Mike, Lissa. Oh, yeah. our friend Lissa, yeah. Yeah. Nick's mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Australian Chris. Mm-hmm. Rich, the trucker. Mm-hmm. Kevin, who works at Dallas. Yep. Chase. Never heard of Pete from Chase. No, we have. Have we? we? have in the long and distant past. I'm pretty sure he's the one who also works with trains in Boston. I could be wrong. That could be someone else. Sorry if you if that was you. And Chase did used to Chase. send us messages. Okay. Yeah. Jacob? I do remember Jacob. Jacob mm-hmm. sent us. He hasn't sent us stuff in a while, but he's. Mm-hmm. Tom? I don't remember Tom. I don't think we've ever heard a peep from Tom. No. <laughs> but thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. It. And Helen. Helen. Yeah, Helen. Helen's one of our $20 patrons. We yes. talked to Helen pretty much. We have met Helen in person. We have yes, met we Helen in person. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are familiar with Helen, actually. So, yeah. Those, I mean, our original, original patron after Kara was Mike. Yep. And actually, the one after him was Pontus, but he is not a patron anymore. Right. I think Helen is the only patron that we didn't already know that we've gone to visit yes we yes. almost did with bob first almost 
Um, but Bob was busy. Dang it, Bob. Okay. Dang it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Helen's from the- How L- dare you have a job? <laughs> I know. God. <laughs> Hel- Helen's from the London area and took us around London. If you yeah. haven't heard yes. that post-episode saga. She lives in the UK. Yeah. Yes. All right. What episode have we always wanted to cover but can't do to lock a report? Everyone got this one right. It's Lance of 508. Lance of 508. It's like, if you haven't gotten this one, yeah. There's just not enough information about the actual flight I really to cover hope- it. And I- I know that this sounds lazy of me, but I can't even tell you how this is just not even remotely possible in my current day to day. But I really hope somebody else puts in the effort for us <laughs> to put in the legwork to get that report. Someday. There are other plane crash podcasts that have done Lance of 508. Yeah, but they cover it with just what's available. And right. I understand there's a lot out there, but there's too much misinformation about that accident. And we try to hold to the standard of using the report. Yes. Speaking of holding to using reports, if y'all haven't seen it. Yep. The second 737 Max report came out. And it is very controversial. And no one has requested that we cover it yet. So we can it was finally cover the Max thing. Because Kevin, who answered one of patron, mm-hmm. who also answered the trivia questions, mm-hmm. said the Max crashes as well as Lance of 508. And I was like, yeah. but now we can. Now we can. We, we just can make need- a two-part series on it, but someone We're has to request to. it. Dare we say it. We can now cover it as long as somebody recommends it. Now raise your hands, everybody in the back. (laughs) So there you go. We We have been waiting since the beginning of this podcast. It is now time. Pretty much. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. it's been a while. Mm -hmm. And then what is Miranda's favorite color? Someone said teal. That's Christie's. Hi. Mine is purple. Yep. Someone said also, I think it was Kevin. He's like, I know it has to do with the coordination of the cords on your guys' microphones. (laughs) And you are correct. You are correct. Except... Christie's is blue, not teal. We they couldn't have get it. Teal. They didn't have a teal. Close uh, enough. Oh my god. But okay, mine's wait, purple. Christie's I gotta look blue. now. Nick's is red. Yep. The fourth one. So we have a fourth mic for those of you who didn't know. When we have guests on, there's a fourth mic. The color on that cable is yellow. There you go. That'll be a trivia question. Yeah. in Like eight months. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the one that came in the pack with the other three, and so we just have it as yellow. Yep. Because that's the one that's left over. Yep. So whenever a guest is on, that's the one they use. If someone wants to send us a teal XLR cable. Not a long one. Let me rephrase. If someone wants to send Christy a teal XLR cable. PO box is on the website. Yes, Be it is. Guest. Be my guest. There you go. Anyway, cool. If y'all want a fun fact about the IL-62 that I didn't mention, I will mention it in the post episode. Oh, look at that clickbait. Yep. With that, I you should that check out free. the Patreon. <laughs> so, yep, check out the Patreon, become a patron, get your post episodes. You don't have to be a very high tier to get that. Well, and frankly, there's several ways you can support us. We've talked about this multiple times. You can, on Patreon or even on Anchor, which is where we bring out all the, the stuff that goes out, if you want to support us, you can do so on Anchor, which we talked about Jamie. She does that. I think I'm that's assuming you're a she, that. they. Yes, I think um, that's still linked. When you go into our description on any of the listening platforms, I think it still says support on it Anchor. Does. And then also, you can also go on Patreon and do that. You don't have to be one of the tiers. You can support us by... Mm-hmm donating whatever Mm -hmm. that's up to you you don't have to do that please don't feel like it's necessary we appreciate when you do that because it's paying for the podcast right so we can keep doing it right because we have things we have to pay for that if we paid for it out of our own pocket it'd be a lot like page page is a lifesaver page is paid from your guys's funds yes Thank everyone, you. thank you, hooray everyone. Page, hooray for (laughs) page. Thank you, everyone, and hooray for page. Page. (laughs) They are literally the only reason we're going right now. Also. Make sure if you want to do listener stories, again, we realize we haven't done them. We now have time. Yes. But maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing this week? Not much, but I get tired when I get home from work. So we'll see. 
We can do it tomorrow. Okay. I don't care. Okay. The October one's ready to go. Okay. Maybe I'll, I'll see if my Zoom microphone is still working, and then we can just bring that with us to Brussels and huddle around it in the evening and just read stories. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it fits, it ships. Yeah, right. Anyway. First of all, if you haven't listened to any of the listener episodes, there was a whole thing with David. Like, there was a Chronicle of David story. Yes. There's still a Chronicle of David story. I'm not like, what it are you is, talking about? Was. It is eternal at this point. But there was, like, the one with the guy that ended up being naked on a, a baseball field. <laughs> yeah. A Little League game. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was, like, in the second listener episode. Like, you should go listen to those. They're pretty funny. They are. And then there was, like, there's, like, a, also, like, a Lieutenant Spock series. Yes. And then there's an Andrew series. Yes. <laughs> and they all talk to each other via their... Episode their, their, stories, their stories, which is just great. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, there's also the drowning series, the yes. near drowning series. Oh my gosh, how could I forget? Yes. So anyway, also if you have stories, they don't have to be aviation related. Clearly, there was just a near drowning mention. Yes. yes. So if you want to send us any stories, funny, scary, whatever, go for it. There's always a, a listener theme for every mm-hmm. month, and that's in the newsletter. If you want to know what it is. Yep. I think this is just New Year's stories for this month, but. Yeah. I mean, feel free to send us any story. And then also check out the merch page. Check out the website because someone really cool made the website. Don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. We hope you have a safe and healthy week and we'll catch you all next week. Keep your speed up. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hard Landings Podcast and on Twitter at Hard Landings Pod. Subscribe and leave a five-star review on the platform you are using to listen. If you would like to see photos and sources for this episode, please visit us at hardlandingspodcast.com, where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions. This episode was researched and written by Nick and Christy and edited by The Lovely Page. Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us plus Leo. And our logo is by Naomi. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.